right. Hello and welcome to the Accepted Podcast, a college admissions podcast for the savvy student. My name is Tyler Kusunoki. I'm an admissions consultant working out of Tokyo with students from all over the world to help them achieve their college dreams. If you like what you're hearing and want to support this podcast, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, your platform of choice. Subscribe and hit the bell icon for notifications to stay up to date as well. Please also leave us a rating as that really helps this podcast to reach more people. It lets us know how we're doing. And if you want to reach out to me directly to chat a little bit about yourself or your child, reach out to me at Tyler at theacceptedpodcast.com. That is Tyler at theacceptedpodcast.com. We do also have a, a couple of events that are upcoming that I wanted to talk about and draw attention to. So the first is going to be on May 21st from 6 to 7 p.m. Japanese Standard Time.、Uh, I know that is a little bit early for all of you who are on in the U.S. However, if you do register for this event, you will get a recording of the session. And in this session, I'm going to be talking about identifying your X factor. The X factor is this term that we at Tokyo Academics use to Um, basically, describe a student's brand or a student's what's going to be the thing that is memorable to an admissions officer. And so, I'm going to have a bit of a talk with how to do that, especially within the limited time frame of high school. So, that is going to be May 21st、um, from 6 to 7 p.m. Japan Standard Time, JST. And if you do register for that, you will receive a recording of that talk. And to register for that, please do go to tokyoacademics.com slash events. That is tokyoacademics.com slash events. And then in June, for students who may be a little bit younger and are really thinking about the next high school options for yourselves, Uh, boarding school is always an interesting option, but boarding schools are also very, very complicated in terms of their application processes, how to make sure you put forth your best shot to, in terms of getting in, all of that other stuff. So,、um, on June 18th, on June 18th,、uh, from 7 to 8 p.m. Japan Standard Time, again,、uh, I will be hosting a panel with two of our boarding school experts, as well as our director of research. And we'll all be talking a little bit about what are the current trends we've seen, what are the things that you need to be thinking. About in order to get in, and how you can be putting your best foot forward toward a very competitive application. So, we'll be talking all about that. It will be more of a dialogue as opposed to a presentation,、um, as we will have multiple people there, multiple experts to share their thoughts. So, again, that is on June 18th from 7 to 8 p.m. Japan Standard Time. And again, similarly, if you sign up, you, get, you will get a recording of that entire session. All right, let's get into it. Today, I wanted to build up to my presentation next week by talking a little bit about the X Factor. And I'm going to put this and present this in a couple different ways. But primarily, I want to make sure, at least in today, and I'll go into some other examples and some more specific anecdotes in a later episode. But today, I really wanted to frame why. I wanted to frame the why of all of it. Why is it so important for us to be really focusing on? These elements for us to really be focusing on these pieces. So, in terms of the overall college application portfolio, in terms of everything that we are presenting, everything that is going out into the world into an admissions officer, there are these set components that have been true forever. Okay, there is, of course, your grades and your、uh, and the classes that you're taking, there are the test scores, there are teacher recommendations, there's your activity list, and then there are your essays. Okay, so you have all of these pieces that are、um, all of these pieces that are going out into the world that are going to these admissions officers that we want to be able to make sure are 
showing the best version of yourself, right? Over time, however, what has also become true is that a lot of these pieces are very similar, very identical. Most students are going to be able to produce something that is basically equivalent to whatever you are producing. And that is particularly true when it comes to your school and what your school can offer you. So let's start off with that slice of the pie, academics. You are ideally taking very difficult courses. You are ideally not just taking difficult courses, but doing well in them. You really want to push your course rigor. You want to be able to show that you can survive and thrive in an academic institution, which all universities are. So that's number one, right, is making sure that you're doing that. However, the reality is that no matter how advanced of a course load you take, no matter how good your grades are, there's a limit within the school system and within the grading system of how high you can go. You can't go much higher than an A+, and you can't take many more courses than what your school specifically offers. And so it becomes very important to be thinking about the fact that even if you are pushing the very limits of what your school is being able to offer, at the end of the day, what you are going to be able to submit as part of your portfolio, as part of your profile, is doable and replicable by someone else. Right? Someone else can have your exact transcript, both in terms of course rigor and in terms of grades. Okay, So that's one piece that no matter how hard you work, no matter how brilliant you may be, at some point there is a cap, there is a limit on how far you can separate yourself from someone else. The same is true about test scores, right? Whether you're doing the ACT, the SAT, or even things like TOEFL, the most you can get is 1600. And so at some point, especially if you're aiming for the highest, there's not anything that's really gonna differentiate you there. At the end of the day, that's going to look very much similar to what other students are submitting. And I would say to some degree, that's true about your teacher recommendations as well, right? That teachers are generally going to say many of the same things for many of their students, right? Unless you truly are that once in a lifetime standout superstar for your teachers, at the end of the day, most of what the teachers are gonna say are the same. So I mention all of this to make it very clear, right? That for the most competitive schools, but even for schools that are um, maybe a little bit lower on the on the list, right? They are looking at some of these things as sort of a bare minimum requirement for entry, right? Is a student reaching these, clearing this bare minimum bar? But clearing the bare minimum bar now compared to before doesn't really do much to narrow down the pool, doesn't really do much to narrow down the student pool. Whereas before there were maybe less students applying and things were less competitive, right? If you have a 4.0 and you get a 1550, that actually does start to distinguish you from a good amount of the competition that you're applying to, okay? But if we start to think about the situation now where you have 100,000 students competing for 10,000 spots, right, where the default most that I can accept is going to be 10%, all of a sudden that those metrics that used to be able to clearly separate and really, really narrow down that gap, aren't narrowing it down that much anymore, right? Most students who are going to apply to a school like NYU, who are going to apply to the Ivies, have the grades, have the test scores, have the teacher recommendations, right? And as a result, 
Whereas before, it might narrow the pool from maybe 5,000 down to 2,500. Now you're kind of really going from 100,000 to maybe 90,000, right? If I just evaluate on tests on, on test scores and grades and course regret. If I just evaluate on those and I'm trying to use those as a way to narrow my selection, I'm actually not getting rid of that many kids. And so there's still a ton, right? And so your chances have gone from one in 10 to one in nine, right? If I just look at that. So all these things, which is not to say these aren't important, right? These again are this bare minimum entry piece to be evaluated. But doing that then means that as an admissions officer, I need to start looking for other things that are going to differentiate you, right? And of course, you're probably going to immediately go to, well, that's where extracurriculars and and the essay come in. And you are correct. Extracurriculars are now, because so many other pieces are ultimately going to be identical or are just clearing the bin, are, 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 not, are identical or the average, essentially, of what I am looking for in a student class that I'm trying to build, the extracurriculars become this major piece. But, and here's where this idea of X factor comes in and becomes very, very important. Extracurriculars, even just extracurriculars, if held on their own, if held by themselves, are not going to be enough. Let's start off with in-school extracurricular activities. Most students will do uh, get involved in, with something in school, right? Whether that be student council or MUN or Amnesty International or some type of service club, or sports and music, of course, right? Those are certain things that the student, that any, any student with access to those resources is gonna to try to be, get involved in. But that's where we run into, again, this problem of we're reaching such a critical mass of applications and so many schools, students coming from so many different schools that those things that used to be very distinguishing are just what any average school would be expected to offer. Student council, for example, every single school has a student council with many, many, many different positions. So how is what you are doing at your student council going to really separate you from the 10,000 other students who are also applying, who also are in student council? Same thing is true with sports. Same thing is true with um, music. Same thing is true with a service club. Every school almost will have some sort of a form of MUN or debate. They will have a Habitat for Humanity. They will have an amnesty. They will have a National Honor Society. All of these things are now no longer these distinguishing pieces, but they are the standard that a school is aiming to offer, right? And so you really need to be thinking about how are these things that I am doing going to help separate me from everyone else who is also super competitive, super involved, aiming for leadership, very engaged in what the, what the school has to offer, right? So there's that, which is why I also encourage students in general, you always want to be doing some things within the school and then things with outside of the school. Because if you're doing things outside of the school, whether that be for sports, you are competing in a local league, right? Um, for service, you're working with a, an organization that isn't directly affiliated with the school. For debate, for public speaking, are you engaged in those opportunities outside of the school as well? Are you doing independent research, right? All of these things allow you to start to differentiate yourself a little bit from all the other students who are going to be submitting their applications to many of the schools that you are going to be submitting to, okay? So that's the first thing. It is don't just focus on what you are doing in school, but try to lean into doing some things outside of school as well.
Um, the next part, though, has to do with kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of this idea of an X factor. The reason we call it an X factor is because it's not just that it colloquially and in terms of just a standard definition, the X factor is the critical element, that critical factor that makes a difference. It is the difference maker, right? Um, that's what is going to change one's mind or is going to lead to a significant change. And so the X factor in this context is this piece about your application that sets you apart from all the other applicants. So there is that definition there. But the other reason why I like the concept, the concept of the X factor is that it's about the X. It's about the crossing, right? The intersection of different things, of two things that seem to be heading in completely different directions, okay? And so all of those things, right? Um, and the reason why this is so important is that a lot of students think of their extracurricular activities in a silo, right? I have my tennis, I have my student council, and I have my service activity where I am serving uh, and working at a soup kitchen, right? Those are these three separate distinct pillars that I have. And I will do my best to build them up as high as they can go. For Stuka, I'll try to get the president. For tennis team, I'm going to get to captain, or I'm going to also try to get to nationals, right? For my soup kitchen stuff, I'm going to serve a ton of hours, and I'm going to try to feed as many people as possible, right? There are all these in in inherent built-in metrics that you are going to try to aim for, that you are going to try to excel in, in order to demonstrate your capability. And those are fine. But the reason that when I work with students, I like to think about what they are doing in kind of the context of an X factor is that I always want to try to push students to weave those things, okay? There are pragmatic and like deeper reasons for this, right? One, pragmatically, is that colleges really want and are interested in interdisciplinary learning. That is becoming more and more true now than ever before, that they are, they have seen and recognized that innovation is often going to come from taking things that don't seem like they should fit together and fitting them together. Okay, so there is an element here now of where the school is valuing a student who already can be thinking in the way that they ultimately want to be training you to think, which is what if I took what I am learning in biology and brought it over to the world of literature? What if I took what I was learning in political philosophy and brought it over into computer science, right? How do we weave these dis seemingly disparate skill sets into something more cohesive and within that because it hasn't been done before because the rest of the world also thinks in these pillars, we now have done something truly unique and different and separate. Okay, so beyond, of course, within each pillar, be as great as you can be. That I will always argue for, right? But you also want to start to be thinking about how can I take what I am doing in one area, whether that be a skill set or an activity or anything like that, how can I weave it, right? How can I braid it? How can I cross it? How can I intersect it with something that I'm doing elsewhere, okay? And in terms of the deeper values of some of these things, why do I try to push students to do this? is because it really is, for me, something that I have seen build the character of my students the most, right? Because it requires them to take risks. It requires them to reflect 
on what they are gaining and learning in each of these separate areas that they are involved in and start to synthesize, recognize common patterns, see the connective tissue and find the solution that connects them, right? And so they're naturally in this process of trying to cross these streams, right? They are learning to innovate. They are learning to think creatively. They are learning to engage in resource repositioning, right? In order to be more effective and to serve others. Okay, so let's even just take that that kind of hypothetical student that I brought up with like tennis, stucco, and um, and the soup kitchen, right? So one of the immediate things when working with a student that I want to try to help them with is what are the easy parallels that we can do, right? And the easy parallels that we can do, the easy things that we can cross are your stucco position and uh, your soup kitchen stuff, right? Is there a way to leverage your position in stucco to push for a more robust and thorough student service or community service organization and structure, right? Can the work that you're doing in the soup kitchen serve as an exemplar to push for the student council to um, provide more opportunities for other students, to provide greater funding and support for the people that you are working with, right? So that would be one way to start to immediately connect those two is to use your position as student in student council to try to better influence or shape or build up what you are doing in the soup kitchen, right? And to take the things that you're learning from your service work to inform that policy shift, to become part of the language of the mission vision for that policy shift. So well, that's one big thing. Where things become a little bit more complicated is if we wanted to then, if we wanted to combine uh, tennis and soup kitchen, at least initially, it seems like it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. However, Right? One of the things that I would be looking to do, right, if a student came to me with those particular things, is is there an opportunity to, because in terms of soup kitchen, you are feeding and you are serving a community physically, right? You're meeting their physical needs of hunger. What about we serve their emotional and mental needs of fun and learning, right? What if we held a goofy tennis exhibition? We got we got everyone around, whether that be teachers or administrators and even some of the students. And then we hold this exhibition on the tennis court. And then we, instead of serving the soup in the soup kitchen, we invite the community out to this tennis court area to watch us play and to have fun, to have a goofy time. We can teach, we can hold lessons to teach some kids tennis, right? And then we serve, like both serve on the court for tennis balls and serve the food and the joy and the fun to this community, right? And if it turns out that in order to get all of this approved, I need to go through student council, right? Now you've kind of tied all of these things together. You've tied all of them together. And so when I'm reading your application, and again, remember, I've, I've brought this up many times, most admissions officers are going to spend about eight to 10 minutes on an application, right? And so if that's what I am spending on, and I have read already 3,000 applications for kids who are captains of their tennis team, and 4,000 Stuco government engagement students, right? And a bunch of people who are doing tremendous community work, right? When I read about a student who said, well, what about someone who did all of them in a cohesive, tied together way? Right? What about someone, a student who would recognize that Stuco comes with responsibility to not just figure out what the heck prom is going to be, 
right? But I've actually leveraged it and I've reflected on it. I've recognized that tennis and what I do there and the joy that I have there doesn't just serve me in terms of giving me this athletic outlet for my energy, but it also can make other people happy that it can be more than just hitting a ball back and forth on a court, that it can be this opportunity to bring these communities that I love to serve and help them out as well. Okay, so that type of melding, that type of bringing things together is what I mean when I say X factor. And when you do that, you are demonstrating to a college that you are already a accomplished. But what is going to separate you from all the other students who did exactly the same thing that you did is that you took the time to reflect, to be mature, to recognize the skills that are transferable. Right? to recognize the communities that you can bring together, the bonds that you can build. Because most often when you're weaving your interests, you're going to be weaving communities as well. And if I'm an admissions officer, I want a student on my campus who is going to land, arrive, get into their dorm, and to be a change maker. Right? How am I going to see evidence of that? That they are independent, that they're willing to take risks, the risks of innovation, the risks of doing something new, the risks of bringing communities that don't seem like they belong together, together into a positive outcome. That's who you can be if you really take the time to think about what your X factor is and how you can shape it and how you can refine it and how you can build it out to not just be these separate pillars of excellence that every single other student who is applying to your schools will have, right? But something more. I will talk about this a little bit more next time with uh, some other examples. And of course, remember that I am going to be giving a full, much more in-depth talk about this um, on May 21st, right? Uh, And so if you, again, if you're interested in that, please do sign up, okay? Thanks for listening to the Accepted Podcast. Again, my name is Tyler Kusinoki. We hope you enjoyed today's topic on what is an X factor, how do you define it, how can you go about building it. Join us next week for more on the complex world of college admissions. If you like what you're hearing and you want to support this podcast, be sure to leave us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are getting this. Do subscribe, hit the bell icon, stay up to date. And as mentioned, we are regularly hosting events with Uh, both in person and online. If you're interested in these sessions, do check us out at tokyoacademics.com slash events. That's tokyoacademics.com slash events. And if you would like to get in touch with me directly, please do reach out to me at theacceptedpodcast.com. Tyler at theacceptedpodcast.com. That's where you should reach out to me. Okay, that's it. And remember, the key to getting in is getting ready. Thank you.